What's up, everybody? I'm Josh So Focused. I'm French the Bro Host, and we would like to welcome you to the Next Take Podcast. The Next, the Next, Take Podcast. And if you didn't know, we're a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. And if you want to find us on our socials, you can check us out first on Twitter at the Next Take. Then go to YouTube and search Nick's Take Videos. And if you rather follow on Instagram, you'll be able to find us at The Nick's Take. And lastly, on Facebook at Nick's Take Media. Now let's get to it. So, before we get to it, actually, I was told a week or so ago that we kind of just rush right into the week, you know, just go right into the games, you know. So, you know, I think we should start off, start starting off being like, yeah, you know, I'm French, my brother. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, sir? How, how was your week? It's funny you ask. <laughs> we got the Christmas tree this week all set up. There's some tree. decorating, got some gifts. I got your gift. I got a bunch of gifts. Um, ready like to gifts. just be wrapped. <laughs> and for the first time, from what I can remember, this is like the first time I'm really, really celebrating Christmas. So I'm enjoying the, the festivities so far. Yeah. What I, about you? How was your week? You know, we didn't grow up really like holidays, Christmas, all that. We didn't, we were never, that was never that household for us growing up. So yeah, I know exactly. Kwanzaa. Yeah. And you know exactly. I know exactly how you feeling this year because that was me a few years ago. You know, first with the announcement of you know, my kids being, you know, with Nicole being pregnant with my kids, and then yeah, you know, every year since then, every every year is about Christmas and putting up the lights and Christmas tree and all that stuff. So I know I it's different, but it's nice to to yeah. to be a part of the festivities and have something like that to look forward to. So I definitely understand that. My week's been busy. <laughs> and not busy because of Christmas, but busy because we just got a whole lot of stuff going on. I'm doing a lot of moving around. I've been moving uh, stuff in and out of the house, we're putting stuff into storage, taking stuff out of storage. I've been going to sleep late. Yeah, it's just been an exhausting week. And that and I capped it off yesterday with the big Knicks, my first Knicks game of the season. But before we get to that, um, yeah, before we get to the let's, sorry let's, ass. So let's do a quick recap last week in Knicks land. Knicks went two for two last week. They beat both the Rockets and the Lakers, but they lost to the Bulls and got blown out to the Nasty blowouts. Nasty blowout leading in to this week's matchup, this week's matchup against the team that sent this Knicks fans into the summer salty after another nasty gentleman sweep in the first round of the playoffs. And that was two. <clears throat> we're talking no, no, no other than the Atlanta Hawks where leading into this game, the Knicks record was 10 
and nine, one game over 500. And Kemba Walker was sitting this game since it was the second game of a back-to-back. He, he had to sit out for rest. So Alec Burks ended up getting a starting point guard spot over Emmanuel quickly. How'd you feel about that? I thought it was, I thought it was weird because I don't think anybody looks at Alec Burks as a point guard. He's a breaker glass in cases of emergency point guard. Like he can do it, but would he have been my first choice as the starting point guard? No, I would, I, I would have thought that if you could, if you're taking Kemba out of the lineup and put him quickly or you're starting Rose. Burks was confusing, but was I mad at it? Nah, I, I, I was like, all right, let's see how it goes. Keep Rose with the keep Rose with the bench. He's your best player off the bench. You, you keep the Rose quickly top in connection. I'm well, not Rose mad at was it. out this game, right? The oh. Rose didn't play this game, so that's why Burks got to start this time around. I forgot about last that. time that Kemba sat. Rose did get to start, but we still lost. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So <laughs> leading into this game, I felt like it was it was it 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 wasn't surprising to me to see Burks get the start because we finished the games with Alec Burks running the point guard and that's who who Tibbs seems to trust the most. So when I saw that, I wasn't really shocked. It was more so to keep IQ and Obi off the bench together. Mm-hmm. And Burks has probably the best chemistry with the starters, so I, I I wasn't too thrown off by that. But immediately when we when you started watching this game, the Knicks got off to a better start. They seemed ready for this matchup. Both teams seemingly were going basket for basket the whole first mm-hmm. quarter. Offense and the defense seemed to be clicking from the starting unit. Then uh, Bench comes in and Obi appeared to be getting featured in the offense. Off the bench, they kept looking for him every play. He's running on the break. Always that energizer bunny. Always. Making a lot of noise in my ear. But then in the second quarter... The bench helped take a 10-point lead right before Trey Young started to get hot, started to come alive. And then next thing you know, going into the halftime, lead got cut to one point. And this is when I start to panic because throughout this entire season, we've been seeing nothing but inconsistency throughout games. Mm -hmm. That's the one consistent throughout the season is that they're inconsistent throughout the game. They cannot play a full 48 like they like the team used to do last year. Right, right. And heading into the third, I was nervous. But Alec, Alec Burks helped calm my nerves in the third quarter because he kept up his hot shooting. He had made some great decisions. And he's not the point guard we need, but he's the point guard that's been just serviceable the most so far this season. So... We run it. We was running with him. He ended the game with twenty three points, and you could just see, like, okay, this can work. This lineup can work. The offense, the defense is clicking, and the third quarter, the, the team came back with the same energy. It wasn't the third quarter of doom. The fourth quarter, we kept their, our foot on their necks. IQ had an outstanding showing in the fourth quarter, putting Trey Young on clamps, ha- having him only score one field goal in the fourth quarter, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. considering what he did to us in the playoffs and what he does to teams on a regular basis. Having Fournier was hot from three. We went four for six from three for this game. Yeah, like, this game was 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 very... It, 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 was, it, it helped you sleep a lot better as a Knicks fan and knowing that these guys can figure it out. 
because defense has been the biggest problem. And they took Kemba out the lineup. It seemed like people want to say that Kemba's a scapegoat, but when you look at the on-off numbers with Kemba Walker, you just see that it wasn't working out. And Tibbs is a defensive-minded coach, and the only way you're going to convince him that that defense that Kemba brings, or should I say lack thereof, that he, he, he doesn't bring, it has to be replaced with outstanding offense. And we haven't seen outstanding offense from Kemba. So I wasn't too mad with the move. It made sense. There had to be some type of change. And the Knicks win it the, the first game with him sitting. And 99 to 90 held the Atlanta Hawks, which is a great scoring team. They, they, they only scored 90 points this game at home. So I was very, I was very, I was very happy to see this, but it was still inconsistency going on because you saw in the second quarter, boom. So this leads into the Brooklyn matchup, right? Well, you you was about to go run into Brooklyn without me. <laughs> nah, I'm just I'm just saying this was a game. You going into Brooklyn, you got the win. You should have yep. all your your energy. You got the chemistry. You got the like. You understand what's going on. Yeah. So, after the Hawks game, which, just for clarification purposes, when we came into the Hawks game, Kemba got pulled at the lineup. We we basically was like, okay, it's the second game of a back-to-back. So, he's just not playing, probably because he's not feeling it. It was a little, we thought, okay, maybe we might see Kemba in his first back-to-back. And then, no, he didn't play. So it's like, all right, maybe something's going on physically. Maybe he's not feeling it, which is disappointing because to begin the season, we were told that Kemba's playing, if you remember mm-hmm. that Tibbs quote. You got to ask Coach. He's playing. Well, yep. so far this year, he has not played in a back-to-back. He's been capped as far as his minutes goes. and. You had to figure, okay, something is still not right with Kemba, even though he assured us all that he's felt the best that he's felt in his career. Not so much. So, when yeah, he jumped the gun, but yeah, because he didn't, right. he didn't get pulled out until it, the next until game. after the Hawks game, right? And then in the days leading up to this Brooklyn Nets game, Thibodeau comes out for press or not even a press conference it was just kind of like it was supposed to be asking him questions leading up to this Nets game and he dropped the bomb that as of now Kemba Walker is out of the starting lineup and is out of the rotation and immediately everybody was like well it makes sense (laughs) and started dropping the stats I have at Fred Katz on Twitter. I have his tweet pulled up right now. A statistical summary of why the Knicks are pulling Kemba Walker from the rotation. Knicks have the best defense in the league when he's on the bench. 99.0 defensive rating. And are dead last when he's on the floor. They are 27th in offense with him playing. 9th with him off. So. And there's a whole lot of stats and stuff where people have been tweeting to be like yeah like we could blame like 
Yeah, the whole starting lineup is trash, really. But nobody's analytics are as, are as bad as Kemba's, Kemba's has been through the season. And that's even with him starting good. His first few games in this, in, on the season, he played very well. But when you look at how his effect on the team, on and off the court, nobody else on that starting lineup is as bad as Kemba Walker. So w- without dwelling on this too much, I heard that and I was shocked. I had a thought about going, you know, when I got out of work, recording a video and putting something up by myself just to kind of say my thoughts on it, you know, posting stuff and all this stuff. But by the, by the end of the day, it was just kind of like, all right, you know what? This makes sense. And, you know, it's sad, but, you know, Kemba, at least for right now, can't be on the court. Yeah. I felt like as fans, we were looking forward to the games where like Kemba would sit and maybe it would be an injury or two just so we could see the young guys play. But I would say what the part that shocked me was the fact that he's getting taken out of the, the entire rotation. I did not expect that. Even though it's for the reason that you can't really play Kemba on the bench with Derrick Rose, who's only six one, and IQ, who's an undersized, anything other than a point guard. Like, right. He's an undersized shooting guard. He's an undersized three. And if you're going to play Kemba and D-Rose, where's IQ going to be? If you're going to play Kemba and IQ, where's D-Rose going to be? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it made sense. But, you know, immediately when I found that out, I started firing up the Ben Simmons trades and ESPN <laughs> trade machine, seeing what we could get. And yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping to see that we make some type of trade soon because this this team... Spoiler well, don't alert. Ju- don't jump the gun there, <laughs> sir. Because you Spoiler like been wanting to jump the gun this entire, oh this entire episode. We Listen, just finished watching the Denver Nuggets we'll, game. That's we'll, that's all I'm trying to say. We'll we'll discuss that when we when we get to it. But right, at the bad. point in time of <laughs> of this, yes. My immediate shock was to hear not only was he being pulled from the starting lineup, but that he was also being pulled from the rotation. But if you listen to Jonathan Macri, he had been saying for at least two weeks that if you pull Kemba Walker from the starting lineup, then that means that you're pulling him from the rotation. So it wasn't that big of a shock to me. It was, it was, it ended up being the biggest shock is that they had given up on the Kemba Walker experiment. Quarter in the season. A quarter way into the season when, you know, being objective, Every game from Kemba wasn't a bad one. Just most of them were. <laughs> so, and... Most of them weren't great. Most of them weren't great. Most of them weren't, weren't, weren't what you wanted. And I think I came away with it feeling like, okay, he who shall not be named, yes, he was the worst part of the starting lineup, but his game allowed the rest of the team to be comfortable in playing the offense that we needed them to play. Speaking specifically about Julius Randle. Kemba Walker being on the court, that seemed to be too much disruption for Julius. Don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that they couldn't figure it out with those two. That 
was what I ended up with by the end of the night. Kemba had to be pulled. We need a good point guard, but we also need a good point guard who fits in. And I'm not saying that Kemba Walker can't fit in. He's just not there right now. He has to alter his game, not just for the team, but for himself, for the way it, for his career as well. He needs to alter his game in order to contribute in a way that's different than the way he has contributed in the past. And at, by the end of the night, that's where I got. So, I, th I believe they dropped that on a Monday, that information that Kemba was, yes, on Monday they dropped that information. On Tuesday was the Brooklyn game in the Barclays Center. At that point, Brooklyn Nets, currently the best team in the East. Knicks were two games over 500 at 11 and 9. And that was a very entertaining game for the most part because the Knicks brought it. They took it to Brooklyn. Like, this game was, was just overall back and forth, a lot of Knicks leading, Nets leading, Knicks leading, Nets leading throughout the whole game. There were stretches where the Knicks were down by double-digit points or, or they were down and it looked like, okay, then this is where the Nets start to take, take, you know, take the game into their control. But the Knicks fought all the way to the end. A couple of key moments, uh, a couple of interesting moments throughout the game. For me, the, <laughs> the most interesting play of the... There are two of the most inter interesting... This might be number two. No, this is definitely number two. When KD did the little crossover and Julius Randle stumbled and hit the floor, <laughs> and then KD passed to Cam Thomas, who knocked down the tray in the first half, I was like, me Jesus Christ, Jules. Piss how you get off. bopped that bad? He bopped the hell out of you with, like, some basic shit. <laughs> he didn't, like, put it between his... He just, boop! Julius said, oh! <laughs> fell back. That's Kevin Durant. He gets you with the simple move because you know what he capable of. Oh, man. That that was like, oh, please don't hit that three because it's going to be on so. Oh, it's going to be on Sports Center. <laughs> so that was one. The other one happened in the second half during a, a more pivotal stretch in the game. A number one play of the game to me was Derrick Rose. Like every time, any any highlights you watch, that that Derrick Rose drive in between multiple Nets defenders going up, double clutching, and then hitting the layup, like that's that's probably the most athletic and beautiful layup that I've seen from a Nick in years. I don't know the Recent last time. bias. Uh, uh, Alec Burks hit a couple of nice reverse layups this year. That you, yes, like, he did. I, but, I thought he had but, no chance of making that. I mean, he made it. It it it's just you just watching. That is a difficult. Not not. I'm not saying you lying. Like Alec Burks has, but with the amount of defenders that were around Rose, where he jumped from, what he had to do just to get the shot off, the angle he was at to the rim. There, there, and how old he is, <laughs> that also plays a factor into it. I'm like, yo, that was like prime D-Rose. 
what he what he just did there with that layup. So not the crossover on Millsap. I feel like that was prom D Rose too. Well, the crossover, you know, that doesn't re- <laughs> require a lot of athleticism. <laughs> just requires Cross Paul Millsap something different and hit him with a step back mid range jumper. Like I've seen D D and it's not like we don't know D Rose has some athleticism. Like he's he's like even I think even in the Brooklyn in this Brooklyn Nets game, he had a block where he jumped up as high as he could and 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 knocked knocked the ball, you know, knocked the ball back. I think he knocked it out of bounds, but he had to he was not in position. He got up, he blocked it, used all of his used all of his athleticism to get up there. He blocked the taller player like we know Derrick Rose has that athleticism, but the ability to jump, double clutch, go down, go up, spin the ball it, just enough so that it goes into, like, that That for me was probably the best play of the game. And it happened during a pivotal moment. The most important plays of the game, though, happened off of the court by the referees, the guys in black and white stripes who called basically everything in favor of Kevin Durant and James Harden, who between the two of them had probably or had almost twice as many fouls called in their favor than the entire Knicks team. Randall only had two free throws after he was driving the ball all game. Yeah, Randall only had two free throws. KD ended up with nine free throws. James Harden ended up with 10. So that that just kind of goes to show you the difference in the whistle off between the Brooklyn Nets and the and, and the New York Knicks, and this was still a very close game all the way to the end. At the end of the game, the Knicks was able to tie the game with 12 seconds left on a big Evan Fournier three that they called out a time timeout. He had been sitting, and all of a sudden they call a timeout. You see Evan Fournier sprinting back and forth, getting 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 warmed up. And you're like, damn, I think they're going to give it to Evan Fournier for the three because they were down three. And they did. And he hit it. And it just seemed like this was a game that the Knicks just would not leave without getting the victory. Mm -hmm. All they had to do was make one stop. KD gets the ball. They double him. He passes it off to James Johnson. James Johnson drives to the hoop, meets Mitch at the basket. Mitch, I'll I'll say this. It was a foul. Mitch was not properly positioned. His arms were not properly positioned to contest the shot without without hitting him, and they called it. But this was four seconds left in the game or two seconds left in the game. You call the foul to give the Nets the win at this point. Because you know that if he if you call a foul there for free throws, the Knicks do not have enough time to get back to the other end of the court to shoot a quality shot. You either gonna yeah, do no timeouts. You, no timeouts left at this point. You you had you would have to inbound the ball and do a full court heave and hope that it goes in to win the game. That's the only way that the Knicks win this game, and that's. 99 times out of 100, you're going to miss that shot. And that's what happened. James Johnson hits his free throws. Even if he hits even if he hits one of them, you have to get the rebound. You, that's even worse for you at that point. So he hits both, luckily, but there was not enough time left for the Knicks to win. Knicks lose to the Nets 
112, 110 off of well, the referees calling a foul with two seconds left in the game. That well, should not have been not called. Not only, not only <laughs> shouldn't it have been, it shouldn't have been called, but after the game, it was confirmed by the referees association or whatever, whoever puts out these the last two minute charts mm-hmm. where all the calls that should have been called. It, it says that they missed a foul before, on Julius. They missed a foul on Julius from James Harden. And right before Mitch got called for that foul, mm-hmm. it should have been a three seconds on LaMarcus Aldridge. Yep. Right before that. If they call if you're gonna call something. If you're going to call anything, you call that, that is that is the correct call that you should have called. You did it. You called the foul right after that, giving the Nets the game. On top of that, I'm sure there were a bunch of other fouls that were missed when it came to fouls mm-hmm. for the, against the Knicks. Like you said, Julius Randle was getting to the basket, didn't get called. And he said that the referees told him that he was too big. Right, yeah. Where I, that the same contact that they normally would call a foul, they didn't call for him because he because was too strong, so it didn't affect him. Which is bullshit. But so they're saying that we see the fouls, we're just not going. We're just call not going to call it. Right. It, it is inexcusable, inexcusable refereeing. Like I said, Harden and Durant combined for nineteen free throw attempts. The Knicks had 12. The Nets as a whole had 25 free throws. Julius Randle had a big showing for the Knicks. Hit some tough shots. Had the difficult task of guarding Kevin Durant. Scored 24 points on 11 for 22 shooting. Nine boards, eight assists, two steals. He had a good game. Alec Burks, key. 25 points. The team's leading scorer was able to distribute five assists. Derrick Rose had that big layup that I talked about down the stretch. Also finished 16 points, 9 assists. Knicks were without R.J. Barrett after the first quarter. He came in, played for 5 minutes or so, came out of the game, had to go to the locker room. He had, he he was diagnosed with non-COVID symptoms, non-COVID illness. Later this, when he came back, I believe yesterday, the day before yesterday, he revealed that he went went out, tried to play, Went down, went to the back, felt like he had to throw up. Kept feeling like he had to throw up. And, yeah, we had we played this game against the Nets, played very well against the Nets, mostly without R.J. Barrett. Yeah. Mostly without a lot of guys. I don't, we didn't have Nerlens Noel. We didn't, we, we were very shorthanded, and we still took it to the best team in the East. No, we I, had Noel. We didn't have Taj. Taj, yeah. But it's it's I, I I don't I don't like that game just pissed me off. It pissed me off because anytime a referee literally tells you that they're just not gonna call the call, it's like I don't know what to do at that point because mm-hmm. they're calling all the calls for the other team. They're giving all the the star calls to Harden and KD. On top of the fact that KD's already hit in some tough shots. It's like, bro, what do you want us to do in that in that instance? We can't score because they keep fouling us. And y'all keep calling fouls for them when they can't score. It's just like, bro, all right, whatever. So 
after this game, like I like I said, Tibbs and Randall were extremely critical of the referees in the post game, and I felt like that wasn't the best decision to make because it absolutely doesn't change anything. I feel like because in the next game, what happened? You remember first <laughs> that? Yeah, I remember. I'm a. I don't even have words. Like I'm struggling to say what I want to say, but. Nobody has game. words. Actually, everybody was confused by what happened in that game. Excuse my In the French, next French. game against Chicago, the Knicks are down Nerlens, mm-hmm. and RJ's out with illness. Mm-hmm. So IQ gets his first start of the season. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Tibbs and Randall were extremely critical of the refs in the postgame. What happens as soon as one player back talks the referees in the Chicago game, Taj Gibson gets two straight calls, two bad calls called against him. He keeps pointing two, two, two. That's two. You did it twice. Gets kicked out the game. So now we down to only Mitchell Robinson because Jericho Sims is out. Mm-hmm. Taj is now kicked out the game. Nerlens is out. And we're down to just Mitch. And after the first quarter of the Chicago Bulls game, the Knicks were already getting off to an ugly start. They're down 20 points after the first quarter. In the second quarter, they finally come back to some sort of life because they matched the, the Bulls scoring. And even going into the first half, it's not much of a difference in the score. We're, we're still getting cooked. Mm-hmm. Getting killed. The, the the score going into halftime was 69-51. They finally do show up with some life in the third quarter. They finally start playing some defense, go on a run. But I'm I know most people were probably excited about this run. I had no hope that they would they were gonna <laughs> win this game because the Bulls just looked like the better team in the entire first half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we go on a nice little third-quarter run, bring the game back into and into a point where you could compete. But now you spent all your energy getting back into the game. So now when it's back to the end of the game, it's down to who got the star player, who doesn't. Who has the best options to go to in the fourth quarter? DeRozan, like I said last game, it seemed like he, he was just comfortable getting to any one of his spots that he wanted to last game, right? He dropped 30 on his last game. I'm thinking, we going to come into this game with a game plan? No. <laughs> Still, <laughs> they letting him get to all his spots on the court. Every part of the mid-range, he's getting there and then getting a clean shot off, dropped another 34-piece on us. Mm-hmm. Did not seem unfazed. Did not seem phased, did not seem to be in the slightest bit uncomfortable. He wasn't rattled at all. He just get into his spots, calmly get into where he want to get to. Anytime we go on a nice little run, he got a shot to knock it down. Zach Levine hit knocks down a three to kill the momentum. And Alex Caruso's defense is causing trouble mm-hmm. on the Knicks offense because he had, he had, I, I, I did just not don't know. get it. I didn't know Caruso was like that. <laughs> like he's he's like that, but bro, he's not 
I didn't know. Well, let me just say this. I didn't defensive know defensive player of the year. I didn't know he could get like that. Like, it, and it wasn't fluky. Like his hands were active. He he did. He was where he needed to be. His hands were active. He wasn't fouling. It wasn't like the Knicks were being lazy. He's he he's poking the ball out at the appropriate times. He's doing what he needs to do. He's getting up the court. Like Alex Caruso's. He, yeah, he's so a, he's Ricky a player Rubio. to have. See, yeah. yeah, so is Ricky Rubio. Yeah, so yep. is Terrence Ross. Yeah, <laughs> so is. <laughs> yeah, because that's well, a I'm... that's a common theme when it comes to all losses. I didn't know he could get like that. It's <laughs> right. always one guy on the other team. But but let me let me. Just I didn't say this. know he he was like that. Well, well, let me just say this. For what you're talking about, what I'm talking about is different, right? Like Alex Caruso is known as a defender. Alex Caruso, can, he, he leads, the, I believe he leads the league in steals. Like, it's not, for him to have high steals in a game, it's not, like, confusing. Like, it's not as confusing as Ricky Rubio looking like Michael Jordan or looking like or Steph Connaughton. Looking like Steph Curry. Like, that, that's what you're talking about. And me, like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I, like Caruso <laughs> was out there, and it's like, all right, he's a good, oh, no, he's really a good defender. Oh, his hands get active. Okay, we have to be careful around this dude, right? Just like we need to be careful with Lonzo Ball. Like, Lonzo Ball could do the same type thing, he just hasn't. But I at least know enough about Lonzo Ball to know that, like, he could get like that. I didn't know enough about Alex Caruso to know that he's that good he can get that good defensively and you have to be careful with him that's all i want to say i mean you 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 just seem very dejected you feel i feel like you are more dejected about this bulls game than i i am you you well mainly due to the fact that we're down 20 after the first quarter absolutely i after get that you just lost Ab to the Nets, absolutely i get that who's the best team in the east that. By two I, points, I will hundred percent get that. But you you pointed out what the score was at halftime. The the score at the end of the third quarter, when you were getting waxed like that, Bulls had eighty nine. The Knicks had eighty three. The Knicks cut that pretty much twenty point lead down to six by halftime. And actually, it that it was eighty seven, eighty three, right before. Lonzo Ball scored with 33 seconds left in the game. So you, they were actually even closer than that coming into the fourth quarter. Yeah, you expended energy in the third quarter to catch up, but... If you're you doing have that full, every single game... You have a full... But I'm saying for this game specifically, you have a full quarter to where if, you, if your rotations are all right, you're putting the right guys out, you're not... Nobody's too winded. You could potentially win this game and then I felt like the Knicks could have potentially won this game but the problem with me is mm -hmm. this is always happening we're always going down mm -hmm. playing catch up and too tired to get the win it you happens like that's, consistently like, throughout the season do you feel like that's what it was for this game yeah that's what I feel like that was that's what I was because in the end of the game, what was happening? Randu missing free throws. DeRozan and Levine able to get out the game and the, the benches playing because they got a, a solid lead that they can uphold. 
And then when they come back into the game, they ain't tired. They ready to get back into their shooting groove. Mm-hmm. We ain't doing that. We relying on the bench to make a comeback, then put the starters back in and uphold the energy that the bench has the best way that they can. And they're not playing great defense for four quarters. They're playing great defense for one quarter and a half and hoping for the best in the end. And that's what this game was to me because it's just iso ball in the final two, three minutes of the game after playing team ball all game long. And we fall to the better team that has the better scorers in iso. I'm going to... I'm I saw this loss coming a mile away. I mean, watching this game. I'm going to push back a little bit. First of all, the end of the game. Let, let, let's just say at the end of the game how close it was, right? The end of the game, the Knicks tied it. They got 105, 106, 107, 106, 107, 108. Like it was a back and forth game. It wasn't like, okay, at the end of the game, like the lat with three minutes remaining, the Bulls pulled away because the Knicks were too tired. I feel like the like the game was tied with one minute and twenty five seconds left, one eleven, one eleven, and then the Bulls pulled away. Do I think Julius Randle was tired? Yes. Do I think Mitchell Robinson was tired? Yes. Did they get significant rest in the fourth quarter yeah they did they got like Obi Toppin was in the game for the first six minutes of the fourth quarter oh sorry I have to say one more thing before you continue go ahead because this was the main thing that what 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 was supposed to what this is the main thing that was supposed to support my argument Mm -hmm. for the Knicks being tired Mitchell Robinson had Nick Vucevic on him. Mm-hmm. And play after play, Vuce is getting wide open threes. Yep. Because he is, can't run out and, and contest this is, where, this is where I was going to, this is where my pushback is. Because I think where you see tired, I see injured. Or I see weight issue. The weight issue is leading to him being fatigued because he was getting right. out to the threes 100%, at points that, throughout the game. He was doing but, it perfectly fine. No, he wasn't. But this is what I'll say. It had nothing to do with the comeback. The There could have been no comeback. Mitch would have still been giving up the Nikola Vucevic threes at the end of the game. And that, that's, just, that's just one thing. Julius Randle has missed free throws at the end of the game, regardless of whether it's a comeback or not. This was a loss that the Knicks could have prevented if they weren't down 20 after the first. 100% agree. If the Knicks don't go down 20, they win this game. If they play the way that they played in that second half, the whole game, they win this game without question. There's nothing you can do about DeMar DeRozan, especially when you don't have R.J. Barrett in this game. Nothing you could do about it. You see, there's nothing you could, he's one of the better, he's one of the, he's a top 10 to 15 player. He's a top 10 to 15 player this season. He's not Kobe, you're right. But this play, this year, this season, he's playing like, he's up there. 
he he's playing he's playing he's gonna be if he plays the way that he's playing right now for the rest of the season, he's gonna make an all NBA team. He's playing that well. And if he's hitting shots, like if he's hitting turnaround, spin move, fade away, mid-range jumpers and splashing them like they're layups, then maybe you should throw a double his way. <laughs> but if <laughs> like, you throw a double, I don't understand. If you they throw didn't a, double team him once the whole game. I listen, I understand that. And he's not some elite playmaker where he could be passing out of a double team to Zach Levine in the corner. Like he's not that type. If you double team an him elite correctly play, if and he's rotate. A, He's not an elite playmaker. He's enough of a playmaker to where if you double team him, he can kill you. You don't need to be elite in order to know that, listen, you got to pick and choose your spots to double team. And depending on who you have on the court, maybe you shouldn't double team. DeRozan is going to get some. You have to pick and choose your battles. I think the Knicks played DeRozan effectively. Mm-mm. I think that I think that the main issue is Mitch not being healthy. I think if Mitch is healthy, if Mitch is if Mitch is healthy and adjusted to his weight, the Knicks win this game specifically even with the 20 point deficit because he's not they had to pull him out the game because he couldn't do what we needed him to do. It's that Mitch simple. Mitch wasn't even bad this game, though. He was just he wasn't. not stepping Mitch up to was, Nick Mitch was, He had five blocks. Mitch was He had eight Mitch rebounds. Was, Mitch points. was very good this game. I'm not even saying, like, Mitch was bad. But defensively, when, you, when he has to rotate to his man at the three-point line, we get cooked every single time when, I, when any team does it. And it's been going on for damn near the whole season. Like it's he does that doesn't mean he's playing bad. It doesn't mean and he's already admitted he's not one hundred percent. So it's a lot of bad luck. Like that's really what it is. If you have R.J. Barrett and a healthy Mitch and a healthy Noel, is this a loss? And that's how I'm looking at it. Like they should like this ugly start should never happen. One hundred percent agree with that. If they don't have this ugly start, they probably win this game. But you could also say, yo, if Mitch is not dealing with all his injuries, Noel is hurt, is not hurt, RJ's, RJ isn't sick, you could say we probably win this game too. Or we could say we get blown out even worse because we don't know how these players, we don't know how RJ comes in and affects the, the team when he comes in either because that's another thing with RJ Barrett. You don't know which RJ Barrett you get. I'm not hearing the injuries from Mitch because... If he's good enough to look the way that he looked for moments throughout this game, he's good enough to step out to three. All you have to do is all you have to do is watch it like it, it, it keeps happening. Like and you look at what he did last year, look at what he's doing this year. He's not moving the same. And even though he's not moving the same, he still has these games where it's like, yo, Mitch is one of our best players on the court. I don't know how to feel about that i don't know if i should be excited or if i should be frustrated or i should be upset but mitch is not looking like mitch out there but he he's still fighting hard especially in the block but when it comes to that perimeter that guy that who used to rush out to the three-point shooter get a block and then and then start the break off of a blocked three-pointer we haven't seen that bitch we haven't seen that mitch this whole season 
if we had that Mitch, we would be winning at least we, we would have we would be at least three games over five hundred this year. At least three. And this is one of those games where if we had that Mitch, we would have at least this game. That's how I feel. Mitch is starting to worry me. I don't know about you. He is, but, but I I also don't know. It's very hard because he's playing hard. He's doing the things he needs to do in the block. He's fighting against some of the best big men in the league, and he's holding his own. He's not stopping oh, yeah? them from doing. He's not stopping them from doing what it is <laughs> that they do. But oh yeah, he's not. He's not really getting killed unless they're very good three point shooters. And when they're very he's good three point shooters, he's he, they're, they're cooking him. Yeah. It's only one eight two in threes because we could go to this next game. I I know right I know that's why you smiling because <laughs> because you like oh yeah you mean like a a a, a big like you Nikola like, Jokic yeah like, he's one of the best bigs in the NBA right yeah. so let's see what <laughs> let's see what Mitch does to him next game All right, let's segue go ahead tell me what Mitch did this next game so yesterday right <laughs> as I said earlier in the podcast I drove down to the Garden mm-hmm. my first Knicks game of the year live. And, you know, I got there a little early, you know, and got, got myself some Knicks gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, got myself some food, got a little taste, you know, said, let me get some, let me get a vodka and cranberry. Yeah. Sat down at my seat. was like, ah, yeah, feeling the vibe, feeling the Knicks vibe. Good seats, getting, right? Getting hype. Nice seats. Nice yep. seats. Got a nice view. I could read the letters on the back of the jerseys. I could make out the faces. I yo, I could see. I could tell. That's that's Mitch. That's that's Julius. Yep. That's IQ. Mm-hmm. I could see all the players. I'm hype. The first quarter wasn't. <laughs> Let me just get into it. the Knicks were 500 at this point. Right, they 11 yep. 11. I believe the Nuggets were also somewhere around 500 at this point. Got into the first quarter. I'm like, okay, the Knicks seem to be playing okay. They're not playing great, but they're not playing bad. They're matching up with the Nuggets, okay. The score is going back and forth. First quarter is all right, okay, cool. The second quarter started mm-hmm. happening. I was like, okay, um, these dudes is not getting out to the shooter. <laughs> like, it, it just seems like every time... The Nuggets would run a play. They would always find the shooter, and the shooter would always hit the shot. Yeah, I didn't know Zeke Naji was like that. I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> 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 oh, yo, I'm trying to tell you. Every game this season, there's always one of them guys. Yo, I ain't know he was like that. I, I mean, I Zeke said that. Naji, he, I said he that earlier like Steph Curry too. out there. <laughs> I said that earlier this Pat season. Pat Connaughton too. looking like Steph Curry out there. Ricky Rubio looking like, yo, I ain't know, you know he was frustrating? like that. You know what's frustrating about this game? That first quarter, it seemed like the Knicks were on point. And I don't know if that translated like on TV when you watch the game. But the first quarter, it seemed like, okay, RJ's got seven. Evan Fournier scored. Jewel scored. Mitch scored. Burke scored. Everybody's everybody's contrib- you know contributing, and we're right there with the Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic. And then the bench came in, and it was like, okay, the bench ain't really 
ain't really hitting, but it's still a game. We're still close. To, and then it's just like, okay, the starters came back in. And that energy just never, that energy from when the game started just never came back. And it just got worse and worse and worse to where it's like. Demoralized. You know, middle of the third quarter, like, I feel like this game is over. And I went with my homeboy, and he was like, I think the Knicks could still come back. And it's like, yo, bro, it's the fourth quarter. We're down 20-plus points. Like, 30. Like, what? I mean, I'm, I'd like to be optimistic too, but this game's already over. Like, it was eight minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter, and people were walking out because they knew that this game was over. Even with this little the fake mini run that the Knicks had in the fourth, it's like they were never going to make it close because there's not enough time in the game, and you guys are not hitting threes like that. R.J. Barrett went one for seven from three in this game, specifically. Like, there's... I wanted to get hype at this game, and there was not really any point where I could really get hype. The only time that I really thought that I could get hype some I can't remember who it was. It might have been quickly to Obi. Where like they blew the whistle and then he lobbed it up in the sky and then Obi tried to grab it and jam it and he missed it, but it wasn't even gonna count in the first place. That's the only time where I might have been like, oh and got excited. But otherwise, it's just kind of like, hmm. You guys are not playing good and i did it it's hard to it, it was very hard for me to gauge because i felt like the knicks were playing like they were trying like i didn't feel like they weren't trying it just felt like there was something missing something missing well i could tell you what was missing what's up see how we were driving the ball so hard against Chicago, getting to the foul line, actually. Mm-hmm. I said that the calling out the refs didn't help us, but we actually ended up shooting. Uh, how many free throws we shot that game? We shot... Sorry. We shot uh-huh. 27 free throws against Chicago. Mm-hmm. Driving the paint. The Denver Nuggets allow the most points in the paint than any team in the NBA because Jokic is not a rim protector. We all know that, right? Right. Julius Randle went back to shooting threes, going two for seven from three. He also not shot really five attacking. He shot five free throws, but he wasn't attacking the same way that he was attacking against Brooklyn, the same way he was attacking against Chicago. And mm-hmm. the team as a whole just started settling for threes because they felt like, oh, we down 20, we got to shoot our way back in this. But that's not what gets you back into the game every other game this season that you played. So I don't understand why y'all want to keep relying on the threes, even though it's not falling. Another thing, anytime Mitchell Robinson gave any type of contact to Jokic, he's like, oh, word, all right, give me the ball. <laughs> Post Mitch up, fall away jumper. Hold on, I can't whistle. <laughs> Straight into the net. Don't touch the rim, no nothing. Mitch start being physical again. Hold on, pick and pop. Yo, get open for three. 
Nothing you can do to stop him. Getting offensive rebounds, throwing it right back up. The Knicks had no game plan for Jokic, it seemed like, because there's so many plays where he is just going straight to the rim, no resistance. Getting an offensive rebound, Evan Fournier is guarding him. Derrick Rose is guarding him. Nobody else is in the area. But that's the, that, see, that's the thing, right? It's very hard to gauge because Mitch is not moving right. And we don't have Nerlens. Did we have Nerlens this game? I said we didn't have Nerlens against the Nets. I meant to tell you, you know why I felt like we didn't have Nerlens in that game? Because he gave us absolutely nothing in that game, and he played 18 minutes. Did you see his stat line from the Nets game? It's been a few games. It zero, 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 three rebounds. Zero, 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 zero. What are you on the court for? Right? But I get it. And you can't be mad at Nerlens because he's hurt too. He, he out there looking like a shell of himself with that knee brace on. Like, I get it. Like, this Knicks team, and, and that's the thing, right? I'm gonna, we, we can get out of this Nuggets game, I guess. The Knicks lost to the Nuggets, blown out. I forget what the score was. Not but blown out. Blown they, no, they, the fuck out. <laughs> it was 113 <laughs> to 99, which is not a score they that made indicates it, how badly yeah. the Nuggets just 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 killed us. I took a yeah. screenshot. I took a sh it wasn't a screenshot because I was there live. I took a shot. I took a pic of the scoreboard at the Garden and I tweeted when the stats just tell you the game, right? Show uh, specifically when you look at the percentages. That's what I said. When the percentages tell the story. The Nuggets were shooting like 50%. 59%, 100% from the free throw line. Knicks, 30-something 30, 30 percent, 38%, 88% from the free throw line. Like, yo, if you shooting that poorly, you're going to lose. Like, like, if you shooting that, not only are you shooting that poorly, but the other team is shooting that good. Unless you're getting turnovers, like, unless you're forcing turnovers at a, at a great rate, you're going to lose that game and you're going to get blown the fuck out. Like that that's just what it is. And the Knicks defense is predicated on having a big nothing. man who protects the rim. <laughs> well, it it right now it's nothing. There's nothing it's supposed they don't have to no be, defense. It's supposed to be predicated on the big protecting the rim, but mm -hmm. also being able to like if he needs to help Help and then come back, right? Show out to stop the to 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 stop the drive and then get back to your man. Mm -hmm. Mitch is unable to do both of those things. He can do one; he can stick to his man, or he can pop out to help. But if his man happens to go all the way over there, Mitch is like, "All right, I'm just gonna stick with this guard right here. Can you go get my seven foot guy who's three feet bigger? <laughs> like, like." It, that's not what this Knicks defense is supposed to be, and I think that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is that you have to rely on somebody to do things that he can't do. Now, at the same I time, Mitch is doing... <laughs> I can hear him too. <laughs> um, at the same time, Mitch is doing things for this team that nobody else can do. 
so it's just it's just tough, right? And then the other thing is I kind of wanted so I said I'm gonna close this out. The Knicks and the Tips have played a Jokic led Nuggets team three times and blown out every time. Every single time. And when you put that together with the fact that we have no bigs, which probably every time we've played the Nuggets last season, we probably were short bigs too. So when we played them twice last year, we were probably short. So that probably would explain why we keep getting blown out. We don't have an answer for Jokic unless we're fully healthy. And then even then, we don't know whether we have an answer for Jokic or or not that we have an answer for Jokic, but just as far as his impact on the game against us. If we can't if we can't control the team around Jokic because we have to help so much that that's why we lose. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's around him. It just matters that they're hitting shots. If they can hit shots, they're going to blow us out. That's one. Jokic averages 29 points, 11 rebounds, and five assists in 28.7 minutes a game. He's not even averaging 30 minutes in the games that he's played against the Knicks since Tibbs has, has coached us. That's how badly the Knicks have lost to the Nuggets. So... Is this a game that I kind of want to throw the baby out with the bathwater? Nah, not really, because this is just a bad matchup for us so far. Maybe if we're fully healthy the next time we play the Nuggets, it's not going to change. A, it's not going to change a thing. I don't know that. I don't know that it's going to change a thing. I don't know that I've it's seen not Mitch change. fully healthy against Jokic and he got his ass bust that time too. Absolutely, but this is also. The problem with Jokic is that he's just too skilled, right? He, Mitch got his ass bust last season against Jokic because, and I also said this too, Jokic still looks like he can get to the paint at any time against Mitch, even with Mitch's additional frame and muscle. But and I do flip think... flip-flops. Don't leave that out. With flip-flops and a book bag on, he's not going <laughs> to jump off the ground. But what I want to say is I think that the additional muscle will help Mitch against Jokic, I don't think it's going to be as easy with the muscles now as it was last season. But he also needs to have the agility that he had last season. He needs the combination of both if it's going to be. That's what we need to see. It's something we've never seen before. We, a guy who is strong but can also, he can get back to his three-point shooting big man. Which, that's what we need Mitch to be. We need Mitch to be that guy. Noel will never be that guy. We need Mitch to hold Jokic with his frame, with his strength, and also keep up with him as far as agility-wise. It's not like Jokic is some super fast player, and that's, that's also kind of what tells me Mitch is playing hurt. It's not like he's got... It's not, it's not like he's trying to guard Obi Toppin, who runs back and forth in the court with, like he's got an unlimited amount of energy. That's not Jokic at all. Jokic is kind of a plotting center. He's not slow, but it, he's not fast. Mitch should be able to keep up with him, but the fact that he can't get back to Jokic after popping out, that's an issue. If we can shore that up, then we have a better gauge as to how this Knicks team plays against that Nuggets team than what we saw yesterday. So... This this Nuggets game, 
kind of a throwaway game for me because the Knicks always play trash against the Nuggets. I'm kind of, Now I'm getting out of the Nuggets game. That Bulls game, very, very disappointing with how they started. But they finished very well. And they had a chance to win that game. And once again, if we have a healthy Mitch, we probably win that game without R.J. Barrett. And then the other two games that we have this week, we played the Hawks, won. And we played the Nets and should have won. At the very least, we should have taken them to overtime by even the NBA's admission. So... I know right now it seems very bleak. Even I'm kind of like, I don't know about this team. I don't know about this team. Right? Knicks started the season five and one. They've gone six of 11, six for 11 since. That's not a good record. You're playing under 500 basketball. Way under especially, 500 basketball after the first six games. At home. Yes. Especially at home. Right? We have a, we're we're French, above 500 on the road. Yep. French is not the only one. He's already said it. He's worried about Mitch. I, I'm worried about Mitch too. Because even though I know he's not healthy, who's to say that he will be? Who's to say that he we will get that guy who's both strong and fast and can get to the three-point line and block and do all the stuff that he was doing last year. Maybe we, maybe he can only be one or the other. Yeah. If that's the, the case... That... Okay. If that's the case, we have an issue. It's an issue because we need that. We, we need that guy who can do both. It's not Obi. Obi's strong, but he's not Mitchell, he's not going to be able to hold Jokic. He's not going to be able to hold Embiid. These seven foot, seven foot one guys with mass on them. So we need Mitch to be that guy. And we need Mitch to both be strong and fast the way that he was last season. And if we can't get that guy, we are in for a very, very long season. Alongside other guys. But go ahead. What was you about to say? What worries me about Mitch is the fact that he isn't picking up his new body and running with it. It seems like it seems like his body is laboring him. The extra weight hasn't helped him the way that we expected it to. And for the training staff to get him to the point where he's in the weight room so often that he builds that much muscle. It's going to be a hard sell to now be like, all right, this new body doesn't seem to be taken to you, so you should start losing some weight to get that agility back. I don't see that becoming an option, and that's what I, worries me. I don't see that becoming an option, but I don't think that... I don't think that's the issue, because I think it's multiple things. I think that he was not able to work on his cardio because his injury was on his foot. So all he mm -hmm. really could do was bulk up, get big, 
hit weights, do all that stuff. That's all he could really do. But as far as running and trying to get his agility and his, and his ability to, to, you know, go back and forth in the court without being winded, he, he's still not there. He's still not where he needs to be. And until he can do that, which who because he's playing injured, who knows when that's going to be. And because he's always in and out of the lineup. Uh, I mean, even last season, he was in and out of the lineup. This season, he's been our healthiest center so far. Like, inarguably. That's not true. Jericho has Sims been. has been. Jericho Sims is not really in the rotation. Like, to be he honest. should be. Over Noel, like Noel ain't been in Noel since last season. I ain't gonna lie. He had a few good. Okay, then I'll games. I'll rephrase my sentence. Okay. Mitch has been the center that has played and started the most games and played the most minutes on this team. If you'd have told me that coming into the season, I'd have been hyped. Ooh, yeah. That's it. League's over now. We got a healthy Mitch. He's playing most of the games. He started all but what, three or four games? Out of the first, out of the first 22, 23 games, I'll take mm -hmm. it. What we're seeing is something different. It, Mitch is obviously not right, but he's still playing good. So don't know what to do with that. Nick's defense and offense have been both been erratic through first 23 games. Both the defense and the offense. We've had stretches of good offense. We've had stretches of good defense. We haven't had stretches where both of them have been good for the entire time. That's concerning. The only stretches, and a lot of times, the stretches that we had do see it on both offense and defense, it's been the bench. Nick's bench has outplayed the starters, especially Obi Toppin, except last night, Obi Toppin didn't play too good. Kemba Walker has been removed from the rotation. Doesn't seem to fix the, um, all or really any of the problems. Knicks had a little bump those first two games. Not really sure after this game which way, which way the Knicks are going to go. The Knicks are currently the 11th seed with a below 500 record. Knicks have slid down to 20th in the league in effective field goal percentage. I did say that I would bring it, I'd be referencing effective field goal percentage. At one point, the Knicks were a top five team in effective field goal percentage. The Denver Nuggets are currently number five in effective field goal percentage. Does that mean they're going to make it to the championship? No, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a deep playoff run if they keep playing, if they keep their effective field goal percentage the way that it is. So I was going to say this right after we talked about Mitch, but Mitch is not the only person I'm worried about. I'm worried about Julius. More than anything else. I'm not. I am. I'm, and I, it might be because of the guy who's backing him up. When you watch Obi Toppin on a fast break, get to the rim, miss, go back to the other end where the other team is doing a fast break, grab the rebound, pass the ball, Get to the other end on the fast break and then score. And then 
you see Julius Randle do the complete opposite of that. And almost on a regular basis. That's concerning. Because Julius Randle is not supposed to be some out of shape. Like, he's not. Julius Randle be in the gym. But a lot of times he looks very tired out there for seemingly no reason. Like, he'll be out. Like, Obi will give him a seven-minute stretch. Like, it's not like he's out there playing 40, 42 minutes a game. Like, he's playing a lot of minutes. Don't get me wrong, but his minutes are down this season. Is there a reason for Julius Randle to come into the game and then to, like, you'll see him, if you pay attention to him, somebody, I wish I would have found this tweet. I wish I could show you guys, like, in the YouTube. Maybe I'll do it next week when I find it. Somebody recorded the game on their TV and they focused the camera on Julius Randle. And they said, this is not a very good, it's not a very good set of possessions by Julius. And if you watched him, you'd be like, yo, that is the antithesis of what Obi Toppin does. He went to one side. I think it might have even been against the Nuggets. Actually, I think it was against the Nuggets. He went, he went, he went to one side. He's chilling around the three-point line. He's looking around. Somebody shoots. They miss. He jogs back to the other end. He stands. And then all of a sudden, you see Jokic drive past him and dunk the ball. He doesn't even attempt to put his arm to get in front of him, nothing. And I mean, but you see that a lot from star players. But absolutely. the problem that, that I have with that mostly, not with him, I mean, not with that, but with him, is he's supposed to be the leader of this team. Yeah. And... I understand that the teammates around you aren't performing. They're not performing like the team that's supposed to be help compared to last year. Like this year, we, it was supposed to be the floodgates opening, the paint opening up. Guys, it's going to be shooters. We, we're not seeing that. So I can understand why he's so tired because he's basically alone out there every night consistently but he's putting not, up numbers. He's not alone. Yes, nobody else is putting up his numbers. He scored 24 points last night. But one, two, three, four other Knicks players scored in double digits. Everybody on the Knicks scored. Like, what is their, they shot poorly. They shot atrociously from three, but like, where is the excuse to, to, to not play hard on the defensive end? What is the excuse to, like, there's been too many times where he's just, like, I get it. You're the fulcrum of the offense. You can't always expend your energy. But there are a lot of times where it's like, okay, listen, we need you to push. Push. Go. Run. Do, we, we're losing. Go. And Julius plays like they're up 40. Like, yeah. you're the, you're, like you said, you're supposed to be the leader of this team. The fact that somebody can record you in this game where you went down by as much as 30 points and you're playing like that, I have a but problem that's with the it. Reason, that's the I, reason why he's not going to be the leader of this team if we're going to be championship contenders. I have a we need I, another guy who's better than him to be the leader of this team. I have a problem with that. After this game, Tom Thibodeau, 
was asked about R.J. Barrett's shooting, and Tom Thibodeau was like, yo, well, you know, last season, R.J. was going out to the gym every night and working on the shot, and now then he started hitting 40%. He's not doing that. Maybe if he goes back to the gym and starts hitting his shot, working on the shot again, maybe he'll be back to shooting well. I mean, if that's how Tibbs feels, I don't know if I could argue with that. So now all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, maybe I should be worried about, maybe I should be worried about R.J. because he went one for seven from three. That's very bad. And I was not worried because he had bad stretches last season, but we have officially surpassed that point where R.J. was shooting poorly. So if he continues to shoot poorly, then something is very wrong. And it will be fair to be like, all right, RJ, what you're doing is not it. Because, yeah, you shot bad to start the, start the year last year. By now, you've been hitting, you would have been hitting your shots. So what's up? Kemba Walker, we haven't even talked about Kemba, really. Like, we talked about it, but we didn't. How do you feel about that situation? I want to see what happens as a result of the decision. I want to see, because so far, all we've seen is more of the same, just not targeting one person on the, on the defense every single play. But I don't know. I'm talking about in terms of result. Yes. We haven't been. It hasn't changed the results. It hasn't been changing the results by a drastic measure where we're performing so much better without Kemba in the rotation. We're still losing. We're still having quarters where we're looking indecisive. We're still having inconsistent I think the play I, throughout the entire game. And it's just Kemba leaving the starting lineup, it did help in terms of the team defense. But for some reason, the chemistry between his team still is like, have y'all have y'all played the last several years together? Do you guys know each other? Like, uh, is, I, is it really that hard to play together? I think what at a, at different points in different games, you can pinpoint what the issue is. Like, removing Kemba from the starting lineup has helped. I think that the starting lineup is definitely more cohesive starting games than they were with Kemba, but. It hasn't fixed the issue of when the when the offense starts faltering, the defense also starts faltering with the starting lineup. And that's an issue. And that was not a Kemba by himself issue. That was the whole lineup issue. The, what, where the answer is there, I don't know. I would like to see Kemba get back on the court at the end of the season. Because I don't think they're going to. still here. I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they're going to. I think if they're going to trade him, it's going to be in the off season. I don't think they're going to trade him by the All Star game. I think he's going to be here all year. And if he is here all year, I would like to see Kemba play at the end of the season, and I would like for him to take this time period to get his body right get in the gym with D Rose and learn from D Rose because I think a lot of his issues, I think a lot of Kemba's issues right now are that he wants to play like he did when he was in Charlotte and his body is not built for that no more. So let me get this straight. You're projecting that the Knicks are going to be tanking this year. No, 
So you think he'll be the starting point guard again? I don't know. Because Tibbs is saying the only way he's going to play is if Kemba's a starter because that's how he views him. Yeah. And if he's playing at the end of the season, the only time I can see Tibbs putting him back into the starting lineup is if we're not going to be making the playoffs. I don't know if that's true. I would say that the Knicks could be still fighting for the playoffs at the end of the season. And I could see that, okay, we took Kemba out of the rotation. It kind of helped, but we still probably are going to end up in the play-in. Let's see if now Kemba seems to be fully healthy. He Now he has a grasp of what this offense requires, especially Julius Randle, how to get Julius Randle in his spots, because I think that was a big thing. I think that's why Julius Randle is playing so much better now than he was before. Julius Randle was never in his spots. Now he's getting to them. Now Julia, now Kemba can watch from off the court and be like, oh, okay, that's what Julius likes. Okay, that's what he needed. Okay, that's what I that's where I need to be in order for this to work. This is how I need to change my game. I could be wrong. He could be off the team by the end of the season. But if he is still on the team and he's able to watch this team and he's able to work on his body, work on his game, work on on everything. And I think part of that, that whole work on the body thing, I think he needs to do with D Rose because D Rose had that same issue trying to play the way he did when he was at his prime, but his body would not let him. How do I adjust my game to now help my team? That's what Kemba has to go through now. That's why he needs to be with, that's why he needs to be with D Rose. And that's why if I think that if that happens, Kemba could come back and he could contribute. Do I think that's what's going to happen? Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't think that's going to happen. It's it's mostly wishful thinking on my part, but I think that that's how you turn shit into sugar. You say, okay, it's not working because of this. Let's work on this throughout the season. If we get something good for him, then yeah, we'll give him up, but maybe we can rectify that issue and he can help us when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to playoff time, when it comes to getting into the playoffs, when it comes to the first round. You know what I mean? Because Kemba has shown that he can still do certain things. Historically speaking, the Knicks have never been the team to turn shit into sugar. 100%. But what we normally do the 100%, opposite. 100%, French. But the reason we got excited about this season is because it seemed like this is the, this has become the franchise under Leon Rose to do that, to pull out the unexpected and make something that we thought was going to be bad and turn, turn it into something good. So well, he does, he does have a record of doing that in terms of transactions. I don't see Kemba Walker being able to turn shit into sugar unless it's through a trade like we did with Dennis Smith last year. He was going to be projected to be the starting five point guard, ended up being out of the rotation. Next thing you know, he gets traded for Derrick Rose and that changes the entire scope of the season. Derrick Rose becomes one of our best players, second best player in the playoffs, if not the best. I'm hoping for some type of trade like that again this season. 
with Kemba. And if we can successfully do that without giving up too much outside of Kemba, the hope that I had in the beginning of the season could be restored. Because right now, I have, like, this season right now is just too unpredictable. I used to have a good feel for the team last year. You could be, I, like, the predictions, I, I was, I felt like I was dead on last year. But this year, I, I don't know what to expect each game. Both of us. I, I feel like this team is just so hit or miss that you don't even know what to expect from game to game. You see against Brooklyn, they come out with intensity, full 48, playing hard. And then next game, they're down 20 in the first quarter. Then they come back, play hard in that game. The game is decided within a few possessions against Chicago. And then in the very next game against the Denver Nuggets, they're down 30. Can't even make a comeback and get smoked at home once again. So until we start making some some trades, I feel like this team, I don't know what to expect. You don't sound optimistic there, French. I'm usually I'm usually Mr. Optimistic. I'm not I, I lost all hope. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm not at I'm not at pessimism. I'm not at optimism either. I'm just analyzing the team for what it is. And it's not good right now, but that doesn't mean that it can't still be good. I want I needed to see Julius Randle play the way that he played last season, and this week we saw that. We've sort seen of. hmm sort of cuz he hasn't been hitting threes like last season. And that changes the entire he started he started well. the game yesterday by hitting a three and he ended up he ended up with twenty plus points. He had thirty earlier this week. He had like this week it statistically was more like what it was last season. I'm gonna pull up his stats right now. He's two, two for game. seven. He was two for seven against Denver. He didn't attempt a three in Chicago. He was zero for two against Brooklyn. He was zero for three against Atlanta. So yeah, he's been shooting poorly. last season. He was a 40% three-point shooter. Well, he shot Consistently 40%. knocking down. He shot 40% against New Orleans. And all of his shots were from behind the three-point line. So I don't... I'm not really concerned about the three so much because I think that teams still consider him a threat from three. I'm more so concerned about the overall game and the overall effort when it comes to Jules. That's what I'm concerned more so about. I think if he's at, at the three-point line, I think teams are going to still rush to him, and I think that he's still a threat from there. I'm not really so worried about it. I don't expect him to be a 40% three-point shooter this season. I do think his three-point shooting will go up, though. And I don't think he needs to be a great three-point shooter for this team if everybody on the floor besides Mitch can hit a three. I just think he needs to be a threat. That's not the issue with this team. The issue with this team is the consistency. The issue with this team is health. Because we've been very hurt so far this season. And coming into this season, we were excited about what? 
two things. 48 minutes of rim protection, 48 minutes of playmaking at the lead guard spot. We haven't gotten that. We haven't gotten, I don't think we've gotten both of those in a game more than two times this season. And that's an issue. So, and it's out of the and it's out of the control of the Knicks. Also, it's not just because Kemba hasn't been playing, hasn't been playing great. It's also because Rose has been hurt. It's also because Mitch has been hurt. It's been because Nerlens has been hurt. It's because Taj has been hurt. I don't know how to gauge this team when everybody is playing hurt, and then on top of that, when they're playing good against certain teams, they're not getting a favorable whistle. So I think this upcoming week is going to be how we, is going to determine whether we should be optimistic optimistic or pessimistic. But before we get to this upcoming week, French, would you like to do the honors for the predictions recap? Where we, I, where I believe we both did terribly. <laughs> yeah. The predictions against the Knicks and the Hawks. I had the French. I, you had, I the, had French. the French. You, you, had, me. you had the French. I had the Knicks by one. I had the Knicks by one. And you had the Knicks by 10. Reality was the Knicks ended up winning by nine. And you were closer to that. So you get that one. Okay. Knicks against the Nets. You predicted the Nets by at least 10. I mean, by at most 10. And I said the Knicks by at least five. So I guess I get that one? <laughs> you got them because the Nets won by okay. two points. Very good. Uh, so I will say the next two. So the Knicks played in, played in Chicago against the Bulls. French, you said the Knicks would win by one. I said the Knicks win by four. Neither one of those things happened. Yeah, the Bulls won by four. Yeah, so Bulls won by four there. The Knicks versus the Nuggets, which I saw live, thankfully to me. Yeah. Got to see that live. Um, ooh. Mm -hmm. I said Knicks by five. You said Nuggets by 10 plus. You would definitely got that one. Yeah. So I, I guess neither one of us really won this this whole situation with uh, the predictions because this team ooh. is unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that this upcoming week is going to be is going to be very key as far as how we should really look at this team. I, I, Knicks have historically played poorly against the Nuggets. They played poorly against the Nuggets in this game. They had two very good win, uh, two very good games. One win against the Hawks. They played the top team in the East all the way up until the final seconds, and they also played the second or third best team in the East, depending on how you feel about the Bulls, all the way to the vet. Very well. They played they played them to the end of the fourth quarter and could have won that one. I don't think this was necessarily a bad week, although you could look at it that way. So you want to get into the predictions for next week? Sure, let's do it. 
So for the Knicks and Spurs, I say the Knicks are going to come out with confidence after getting blown up by, by the way that they got blown up by Denver. And I see the Knicks beating the Spurs by at least five. And you say... Well, I will say that the Knicks are going to win by at least eight. Take that. Yeah. So, <laughs> the Knicks are going to play the Pacers on the eighth. And my prediction is the Knicks are going to win by at least three. What about you, French? I got the Pacers taking that game by one. Okay. And the next game could be in Toronto where the Knicks face off against the Raptors. I'm going to say Knicks by five. And I believe that the Knicks are going to win in Toronto by 10 or more, double-digit, potentially blowout. Um, I have the Knicks winning all of the games this week. So if my predictions end up being right, that means that there's still reason to be optimistic for the season. The Knicks do, in my opinion, need to go 3-0, and though. If the Knicks can't go three and zero this bad. week, and it's not, and it's not like it's, these aren't pushover teams either. They've lost to the Pacers already. They've lost to the to the Toronto Raptors already, and Spurs are not really a pushover team. They're not a great team, but they're not a pushover team. The Knicks could lose to any one of these teams, and it would be all right, cool. You know, it happened. But if the Knicks want to be in the playoffs, they need to go 3-0. That, like, that's how I'm looking at this week. Like, this is going to be a referendum of whether this is going to be a strong playoff team, whether they're going to be a play-in team, or whether they're going to be out of the playoffs completely. And they'll be in the play-in if they, if they win two out of three. They'll be out of the playoffs if they, if they lose two of these games. That's how I feel. Right. All right, French. We have gone a little long. You got anything you want to plug before we meet up later today to take some Christmas photos? Hey. <laughs> we'll see next time on the Knicks take whether or not the Knicks will get their shit together. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got nothing to plug. French has got nothing to plug. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Thank you for listening, too. The next, the next, the next, the next, podcast. And peace out. Love y'all. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Next Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.